You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. I have a message for you today, and the title of this message is A Vision of Good Works. If you're taking notes, that's the title. If you want to follow along on the app, it's there as well. Uh, with some filling in the blanks for you. A vision of good works. I want to share a very practical message that has good instructions for you. If you want to take notes, this is a good message for you to take notes. And I believe uh, it'll give you a clear vision for your life in 2022. If, if, you're, if your mind or spirit is still fuzzy com- relating to the new year, and you're still trying to grasp on, on how you're going to face the new year, I believe this message is going to help you and is going to give you uh, uh, some vision for your life as well. We're going to learn from a short, very short letter that, that, Peter, that Paul wrote uh, in the New Testament. Paul wrote letters to pastors that, that, he, uh, that he had working in specific churches. So this is what Paul would do. The Apostle Paul, he would plant local churches all over. And then he would, uh, he would place pastors over those churches. And he would send letters to them uh, with instructions, right? To, if he were today, he would send them videos and text messages and emails. But uh, in those days, you know, they had the papyrus and, the, and, 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 and the, the, the ink. So that's how he wrote letters. And some of these letters survived. Some of these letters have been preserved. And that they have been added to the scriptures, and Titus, the letter of Titus, is a very short three-chapter book in the New Testament. And Titus is one of those letters that Paul wrote to Titus. Titus is the name of the person he's writing to. And Titus was a pastor in a church in Nicopolis, Greece. And Paul is writing from Crete. Uh, it's an island uh, that he was at at the moment. And he's writing uh, to the church and to Titus in Greece. And he's talking about spiritual leadership. He's talking about uh, certain things. But basically, the letter is divided in three parts. The first part is qualifications for a bishop, because that's what Paul is instructing Titus. He's saying, listen, you got to put some leaders in places in the church. And these these are the qualifications that you ought to look for in somebody who's going to lead the people of God. Very important information. We're not going to spend time on that, but just so you know. And then the second thing he warns him against is false teachers. Uh, there, there's some people that are, gonna, that are, that are coming around uh, teaching the uh, teaching that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they are framing it as the gospel of Jesus Christ because they are making a living out of it. And, and don't listen to them because they are self-serving. So he goes on to explain uh, that there are some bad leaders out there and he shouldn't, he shouldn't be uh, associated with them. And then in the third chapter... He begins a teaching on good conduct. And that's the space that we're going to spend some time today. Now, I've structured this message a little bit differently. Typically, I go on a theme and I, and I share some thoughts with you. But today, we're going to go verse by verse on that passage. And we're just going to break it down and extract as much as we can with the time that we have, the lessons that, that Paul shares, which, which I think is, are very important for us. It's only 11 verses long, but we're going to get as much as we can today with the time that we have. So the first thing that he starts with this little part in, the, in, in his letter is he starts with the things that we should pursue. 
What are some of the things that people, uh, the people who are following Jesus should pursue in their lives? And he begins with this. Titus chapter 3 verse 1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. I think we have it for you. Yeah. Remind them to be submissive to, to, rulers, and, uh, to rulers and authorities. To be obedient. To be ready for every good work. And if you have, if you underline your Bible, that's a good thing to underline right there. Be ready for every good work. See, we live in a rebellious culture. There's a little bit of a rebellion uh, it's, uh, mentality in our culture where the word submission doesn't, doesn't bode well with us. Like we, we look at the word submission and we're like, ah, I'm not sure about that. Because we think of submission as weakness. So every time we read the word submission in the scriptures, it doesn't quite sit well. But you got to understand that in the context of scriptures, submission is not weakness. Submission is humility. Submission is approaching the situation uh, with humility. So to submit to people in authority in this passage, passage means to recognize and value the weight of the, the responsibility that they carry on the position that they, they lead. And you, you have a position in your life. Maybe you are a leader. Maybe you have a team under you. But wherever you are, you have a, a set of responsibilities. And, and so you can relate to this because you might have people that work with you or for you or even above you that, that there's a certain level of expertise that you hold that people have to submit to. They have to submit to certain things that you say or what you do. In other words, they have to have the approach of humility and respect for what you get to do in your job in order that you may perform your job well. This is what Paul is talking about. Now, typically when we think of submission to authority, we think of the worst cases, right? Our mind immediately goes to the cases that are bad, people in authority who are bad people, who are unreasonable, people in authority who are abusive. So we're like, that's not what we want. We don't want to be in a negative and destructive situation. Is that what the Bible is saying? This letter has already dealt with that. In chapter 2, he's already dealt with uh, false teachers and bad leaders. The instruction here is, is for us to think about not the worst part, but think about the best part of being in, in, in a, with the mentality of uh, humility and respect. Because think about this. Think how much, how much better life would be if every good leader had in his team people who are humble, who are honest, and who value the weight of the responsibility that that, that that person carries. The world would be a lot better because it brings harmony so that we can work together. And then he says to be ready for every good work. Now I think that this is really profound. And I think that this can reshape our minds in a deep, deep way. Because you don't know what, kind of, what kinds of opportunities are on the other side of that good work. None of us do. I look back in my life and some of the things that I considered uh, in the beginning that I despised, that I didn't want to do, became the things that I, I was most grateful for. Because in, the, in the doing that good work, it put me in a place or a relationship or a position where I met somebody, where I connected to someone that led me to the next step and the next door that God had for our lives. And the same could happen to you as you're developing as you're, as you're moving, you got to give your best to every good work 
that is available to you. Because you're not only producing something, you're not only making your life useful, but you're making connections, you're helping others, you're developing your skills, and you're being transformed. And like I said, the thing you might have despised in the beginning could become the thing that you're most grateful for. So even if your life is a grind right now, even if your work feels random, if you're not quite sure and you don't feel quite fulfilling just yet, let me encourage you to still be ready for every good work because God is leading you somewhere. And then he continues. In verse 2, he says, uh, he says, Remind them, right, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy to all people. I love this verse. I love everything about it. I love everything that, that it encompasses and everything that it guides us toward. Now, what's funny is that this is seen uh, as, as common sense, this passage. And it's become more and more common. But, but, but what, what we have realized is that it has become more and more common for people in our culture to be mean to each other. Isn't that true? And what happens is that when we are in this, in this environment where it's so easy for people to be mean to each other, what ends up happening is we get desensitized to the parts of quarreling, to the parts of gossipy. They're just not good for you. They're just not good for your soul. Because when you engage in gossip, when you engage in things that are not building relationship, when you speak evil of people, uh, what happens is that you become cynical. And, and, and then you, the more you criticize, the more issues you see. And, and it just warps your, your mind. You begin to see more and more of that bad thing that you're criticizing. And the more you point at faults, the more all you see is faults. And before long, you become that person that all you see is faults. All you see is, is wrong. Everyone is bad. You're suspicious of everything, and you're suspicious of everyone, and you can't trust anyone. And in the end, if you end up living like that, you're the one paying for it. In the beginning, it sounds like a good thing, like you're protecting yourself, or you're smart, or you're discerning. But in the end, you end up paying for it. So that's why the scripture says, don't speak evil of anyone. Let's just make that a rule. And then he says, be gentle. Being gentle is very important. It doesn't mean, again, being weak. It just means that you're sensitive to people's realities and context. You don't judge them quickly based on your perspective. But you are aware that people might have a different history than yours. You don't know where they've been. You don't know what makes them tick. You don't know the things that they've been through. So let's be gentle, not harsh toward people. And then he says, show perfect courtesy to all people. Did you even know that that was in the Bible? Show perfect courtesy to all people. Just think about that for a moment. How wonderful would it be if we practiced this and if our friends practiced this and if everybody we know practiced this? So this is what I found that, especially in the recent years, a lot of biblical guidance is deemed and is communicated out there as common sense. People say, oh, this is just common sense. You don't have to be a Christian to know this. This is just common sense. It's just common sense. 
But they, they end up never being common sense. Their Christian ideals on how to live, their Christian guidances from the scripture for peace and for harmony among people. And they're only common sense to those who understand how those things develop in the heart of a person. And Paul is explaining that here. It's very important. But here's how the world goes, the world without God, people who live without God, in culture without God, uh, would read this passage and see this passage. Show per perfect courtesy to all people. And here comes the, the condition. Who agree with you. Show perfect courtesy to all people who are kind to you. Show perfect courtesy to all people who can do something for you. When people without God, people who don't understand how this, this, this principle of courtesy comes, uh, or it becomes your, your life, even if you try to live it, because here, here's, here's, if, you, if you want to get to the, to the source of it, is this. For you to be able to be courteous, courteous to all people, period, as the scripture uh, calls you, you have to understand that there's an authority above your life beyond yourself. And because there's an authority on your life beyond yourself, whether it be in the scriptures or God himself, and you submit to that, that's what gives you the ability to be courteous to all people. If I don't have, if I don't recognize and I don't submit to the authority of God and his principles for my life, then I become the, the rule of thumb. I become the measure. And when I'm the measure, I'm going to be courteous to people who agree with me. I'm going to be courteous with people who are kind to me. I'm going to be courteous to people who can do something for me. But that's not what the scripture says. Show perfect courtesy toward all people, period. No conditions. And this, this is not common sense. It should be, but it's not. It can only come to the life of a person who understands God's plan for mankind. And I do mean it that even though you might communicate it from a non-religious perspective, in the end, there's got to be an a overarching sense of humanity uh, living together as a family. He continues, and he, here he explains why. For we ourselves, verse 3, were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I love this passage because what he's saying is, we don't do these things because we are good and we're better than others. We don't practice these things so that we can, because we are, we're some kind of, uh, of elite, right? Because we're, we, we, we know better. No. We do these things because we know where we came from. We know what we're capable of. We know the evils we're capable of. We know how bad we can hurt people. 
if we just follow our passions and follow every thought that comes to our mind. We know how rebellious we can get. We know how out of control life can get. We know how things can get so off track that we can't have the hope and, and the peace, but life can just be a pile of worry, a pile of anxiety, and a pile of problems. We know. So we aim higher. And we cling to the goodness and the love of God our Savior because it's through Him and Him alone. We cling to the power of the Holy Spirit who can rescue us from every kind of foul living, from every kind of despair. And we can regenerate our spirit. I love that word, regenerate our spirit. And I love the phrase there that said that by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit because that's what a relationship with God is all about. He regenerates us. He rebuilds our faith. He rebuilds our spirit. And not only does he wash your life from sin and shame, not only does God wash your life from your old self and regenerates a new self from the ashes of regret or whatever you've been through, he washes your heart from discouragement. He washes your heart from fatigue. He washes your heart from despair. He washes your heart from fear. He washes you clean. And He does that to each and every one of us. No matter how long you've been following Christ, He does that. He does that at home. He does that in your places of work. He does that while you're driving to Costco. Because that's what happened to my heart. The Holy Spirit, He regenerated and washed my heart of the fatigue and of the discouragement. And I'm not the same. I'm not the same person. I've been regenerated. And that is a constant process in the life of a believer. We, we, we ought to constantly cling to the goodness of God and know that it's through Him and Him alone that our soul is regenerated so that we can live like the Scripture is calling us to live, speaking evil of no one blessing people, being perfectly courteous to all, still maintaining our strength, still maintaining our resolve, still maintaining our place in Christ. Chapter, uh, verse 8, he says this, verse 8. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works, now, he's speaking to Titus, right? He's telling Titus, I want you to insist on this as a leader, that those who believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Now, I want to make Paul's words my own today. And I want to encourage you that we, that there are collective vision. That our collective vision for 2022 may be this. That we be careful to devote ourselves to good works. What's your main resolution this year? What if this was your main resolution? What if this became, you put this at the top of your list. You might have your, your items there. Good items. You might have your things that you have on your list. But imagine how much wasted time you will save. If you put at the top of your list, I'm going to devote myself to good works in 2022. How much will you be able to accomplish? How much will you be able to accomplish as a, as, as a person? And how much will we be able to accomplish as a church? 
as, as a group of people coming together to devote ourselves to good works as God allows us to. Now, we all want things that are excellent and profitable, as Paul is writing, right? But what if instead of goals only for your vision in 2022, you, you included more items from this passage to your 2022 uh, goals? In other words, instead of the fixed milestones that you might have, like I want to read 10 books, I want to move up on my, on my company, I want to take two trips this year, you know, those are milestones. I want to uh, get out of debt, uh, or if you're like my wife, I want to birth a child this year. One, two. <laughs> she said it was not on the list. <laughs> it is now. The Lord wrote it on your list. And he has empowered you, O woman, to bear fruit and come forth with a fourth child. Praise God. And everybody here is going to help us. Everyone. I'm just enlisting them right now using my pastoral card. <laughs> I'm so glad men don't birth children. <laughs> See, those are good things. Whatever you have on your list, that's good. Pursue that. But what if we put at the top of our vision, you know, I will be humble this year and I'm going to be dependable. I'm going to, be, I'm going to approach situations with humility. You know what? I'm going to consider everybody somebody who could teach me something from the youngest to the oldest. I'm just going to be humble. Somebody comes to tell me, hey, you know, you got to fix. They might be wrong, but I'm going to listen to them. They, they might be seeing things, but maybe there's a little thing that I can learn from that person. What if I approach this year? What if we do that? I'm going to be dependable. I'm going to be there. I will be ready for every good work. If there's something that is available for me to do, and I have the power to do it, and I'm not going to sacrifice the most important things in my life, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be ready for every good work that God puts in my wake. I won't be lazy. I'm going to be active. I will not be complacent. I'm going to engage life and, and, and take those opportunities. What if we decide, I'm going to show perfect courtesy to all people this year. This is going to be at the top of my list. I'm going to, be, I'm going to show perfect courtesy to all people. That means I will not cancel an appointment because I found something better to do. At the last minute. I gave you my word. So I'm going to show perf perfect courtesy to people. That means I'll be present. I'm not going to be there and go, ah, right? I'll be present. Show perfect courtesy to my family, perfect courtesy to my coworkers, perfect courtesy to people near and far. That means you will treat everyone like they are a child of God. You treat everyone like they're your brother, like they're your sister. So long as you like your brother and sister. You don't have got to work on that. <laughs> Let's devote ourselves to good works. And then Paul ends with what to avoid. It's very important because right now it's been, JD, it's hard. Because <laughs> some people are hard. <laughs> so he doesn't stop there. He continues, okay? He gives us some very valuable things uh, that we ought to avoid. And, and we're going to cover that today. Verse 9, he says, but, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, which was something that they discussed at the time, dissensions, 
and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. I'm going to add our own that I think fits in the scripture. Avoid political arguments. Can we do that? Can we just add that? There has been no other season in my lifetime when political ideology has been so pervasive as it is now. I mean, our culture has always been strongly politically, but this is out of control. And I want to encourage you to just open your eyes to see that this, all, this is all done, well, where it's most of it, a lot of it is done, by the sheer force of a multi-billion dollar industry trying to manipulate public opinion. And that should not have the importance that it has in our lives. Politics has now a level of importance across American culture way more than it should have. Way more. See, your politics should not be as important as your marriage. Your politics should not be as important as your calling. Your politics should not be as important as your devotion to God, as your devotion to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It just shouldn't. So avoid foolish controversies is what he's saying. For they're unprofitable and worthless. Remember, he talks about what was profitable and excellent. Now he's listing what's unprofitable and worthless. In other words, don't waste your time with conversations that will not matter in six months. He's even going beyond politics now, right? Don't waste your time with conversations that will not matter in a year, six months, three months, a week. It's not worth your energy. Don't allow that kind of ideology to shape your mind. Scripture says this, do not be conformed with the, with the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern the will of God. Good, acceptable, and perfect, the will of God. So in other words, don't allow the world to calcify your mindset, but allow your mind to be renewed constantly. And as a pastor, I got to tell you, I don't care who you voted for. I love you. What I do care is your ability to discern the will of God for your life. Your ability to discern what God wants for you. And you're not going to get that, that, that from Fox News. You're not going to get that from CNN. You're not. You're just not. Or TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. So let's be free in Jesus' name. Let's let our, let our, let our spirits be free you know, from, from the, the need to walk on eggshells or whatever. Let's just cling and embrace our life uh, in God and, and, and embrace the higher things. Embrace the, God, the things that God has for us, right? He ends with a valuable strategy. And this is a strategy that's more specific. Verse 10 and 11, he says this. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such person is warped and sinful, he's self-condemned. Now, he's explaining to a pastor. He's telling a pastor, right? If you, if you come into a congregation and this person is trying to stir up division in the church, just warn him once, warn him twice, and then have nothing to do with that person anymore. But I think this applies to our lives too. And, and, and here's... here's what Paul is explaining. These are the people who should not be in your intimate circle. 
These are the people who should not have a voice in your life. These are the people who should not uh, have a say in, in the direction and, and, and your, of your life and, and how you see the world. People who are, insist on dividing and insist on fragmenting and who always bring that kind of negative division and bring things down. And they will not receive correction. right? Because sometimes people... They can come with an idea and then you correct them and they'll go, oh, you're right. I mean, you know, I didn't see things that way. But sometimes people can be very constantly divisive. And, and Paul is very, being very specific here. Still be perfectly courteous to them. Be perfectly kind. But from a long distance. Right? In other words, you need to allow those people to move to a different zip code emotionally. A different area code emotionally, you know? Like, like send them to New Jersey, <laughs> right? You can stay in Connecticut. Send, send them down to Jersey and love them from a distance emotionally. Here's why. If they keep dividing, if they keep sowing strife, if they keep creating factions and dissensions, and you try to help them see the light, and you address the issue, and you confront the situation, but all you get back is more division, more strife, more dissension. The scripture is saying, have nothing to do with them. Why? So you don't become like them. Because what happens is, it begins to influence your spirit. It begins to warp yourself. And what the scripture is saying, you got to know what warped looks like. you got to know what sinful looks like. And if you get involved and close to that, you yourself, are going to, it's going to be hard for you to see it. So don't become like them, right? We can't allow that to enter our hearts. Now, this is what I believe. I believe that what, what this scripture is telling us, is, and it's our heart for you, is that we, we, ought to, we ought to release ourselves from anything that may detract us from what God has for us, not only individually, but as a church. So we, we have a, a healthy environment as a team. We have a healthy environment as a staff. Uh, this church has, I mean, we, we, I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, we, we love each other. We don't have, we don't deal with a lot of these things uh, strongly. But you might deal with these things at your place of work. And you got to have a strategy on how to keep your mind clean and free from all this. So that as you, as you look at your 2022, you're not miserable going to work every day. You're not miserable dealing with some people every day. But you know how to set boundaries, healthy boundaries, so that you can move forward and still be courteous and still be kind and still be the person that God has called you to do. And I believe God has called us to do great things in 2022. I believe that he has great things for this church. He has great things for your life. And I just got to say, you know, it's seven years anniversary. I am so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for this church. I'm so grateful for our team, people who have stuck with us for seven years. I'm not going to name any names, but you know who you are. You you are, you are the salt of the earth. You are, you are the, a city on a hill. And, and I'm so proud that, that we have gone this far. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do in the next five years. So I honor you and, and I bless you. And I know that God has done great things in our lives. I mean, I look at some of you and I know where you've come from. I know, I know how the state your soul was when you walked through the doors of this church. And I know where God has taken you thus far. And you're still in process, but boy... God has been good, hasn't he? 
and he will continue to take you places you've never dreamed of. So I believe that if you, if you submit your heart to God and you commit to devote your life to good works, you will see God's promises be fulfilled in your life. So can we do that? Can we do that with our full hearts today? I want to encourage you and, and, and challenge you to play your part. Play your part not only in your life, but play your part in building God's house right here in Stanford. Use your talents, your ability, your beauty, your strength, all that God has put in your spirit to let it come out so that other people can be blessed by what he has given you. So I want to offer you the opportunity today to, to just engage. We have, we have these little guys. If you want to join a team, this is the time to do it. You can join a team. Uh, you just scan the QR code right here, and you can go to our page. There's all the explanation there. I encourage you to give consistently you know, financially to the church if you can. Um, just set a percentage and then say, I'm going to give this percentage every, uh, every time that I can so that we can build, God, build God's house together. Let me ask you to pray for the church. Pray for this church. Have, your, have this church in our prayer list. Every time you pray for your family, you have your petitions, add, God, bless Connect Community, bless our church, bless our city. Let us bless people here. Be, be active, uh, participating. And then, like I said, serve our community. Whenever we have a serving opportunity, whether it's with filling in the blanks or some other organization that we may partner with, come along and let's serve our community and be the light of God. I believe that if you do, God will lead you toward a life that you could not have imagined for yourself. And that can start this year. Do you receive it today? Amen. Amen. Awesome. <laughs>